I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. game day which means it is time for another episode of the crimson corner i am your host michelle bodkin your utah utes insider with ksl sports and today we are talking everything asu sun devils the universe number 13 number 13 university of utah utes will be flying down to tempe on saturday to take on asu a very embattled asu team and granted this game is always interesting these two teams do not like each other and they pretty much have not from the jump not entirely sure why that is but it just is what it is and in order to talk about the ins and outs of what this game could potentially bring I have on with me a special guest that I actually met for the first time in Mobile Alabama at the Senior Bowl his name is Richie Bradshaw and he is the host of Locked On Sun Devils Richie how's it going it's going great Michelle I really appreciate you reaching out and allowing me to talk about my team right before they get their absolute butts handed to them but you know I'm here to talk ASU Sun Devils all day long I really appreciate you reaching out to me oh yeah of course no we had some fun conversation at conversations at Veets, and why not bring a little bit of that here uh so that people can hear it so you know let's let's get off with the obvious Things that have been going on with ASU lately, and and granted, the list is actually quite long, if if we're all being honest with each other here. But the very latest, a- ASU loses to Eastern Michigan last weekend, and walking off the field, Herm Edwards is released from his duties as head coach. What's kind of been going on with the program since those two things have happened? Well, there's been speculation for quite a while now that Herm Edwards has been on thin ice with all of the uh, COVID-19 recruiting protocol violations that were going on with the program uh, during, you know, the lockdown and everything across the country. There, there was a really, there was a really slimy feeling about everything. And it felt like the program was like 
kind of ready to fire Herm, but not quite yet. Current athletic director uh, Ray Anderson was actually Herm's agent back when he was coaching and playing football. So there felt like a little too much loyalty there. And the loss against Eastern Michigan was ultimately what allowed the team to say, hey, you know, we need to move on, regardless of the fact that Herm never had a losing record with the team. But, you know, it just it definitely felt like a, a appropriate time to experiment with a change in direction. Uh, the uh, uh, Sean Aguano, the running backs coach for the team, gets promoted to the uh, interim head coach position. And already it seems like the students are gravitating to everything he wants to do. Earlier in the week during one of the practices, they actually had some music going on through the stadium, which was something that Herm Edwards did not really support. So the, the student athletes definitely responded to it, and they felt a lot more at home and comfortable with the way that the things are going. Uh, Coach Aguano had mentioned that he wants to really try out a lot of new different things moving forward, which is very exciting because Arizona State has kind of pigeonholed themselves this year. You have a quarterback in Emory Jones who loves to be able to move around, and that's part of the strength of his game. But yet, outside of a couple instances, he really just has been put on a short leash and not allowed to take over a game the way that he could at Florida. And I mean, we would sit in press conferences and ask about Emory Jones and his running ability. And the way Herm would phrase it was, yes, the quarterback broke the pocket. And the way that comes across to us is like, okay, well, why aren't you designing opportunities for him to use his legs when this is something that, you know, he can exploit on defenses. And the way that coach Aguano was kind of talking about making the offense a little more exciting and giving life to it, makes us think that maybe Emory Jones is going to be allowed to have a lot longer leash and be able to actually exploit some of his strengths to the game. So there's hope that Aguano is going to bring more life to the team again and allow the offense to expand its boundaries. And the defense had a really uncharacteristically bad week against Eastern Michigan. There's no other way to phrase it, but there's, there's definitely some hope that they you know, got, got humbled and are ready for a rebound. But all in all, like, like I've said, like 15 times now they're, they're hoping Iguano is going to bring some new life to this team as a whole. And the kids definitely feel like they are responding very well to it. So on one hand, it sounds like this, it had, this change has been a refreshing breath of fresh air, but maybe it's coming at a bad week. You did start the program or my, my program off, you know, saying that you think that ASU is going to get their butts handed to them. Uh, is, is it just a matter of not maybe having enough time to really come up with what it is they maybe would need to do in order to beat a team like Utah? Yeah. And I, I mean, anyone who has like talked to me before knows that I'm like borderline a pseudo Utes fan. Like I just love the program. I love everything about the team, how they're built, how they're coached. I love Kyle Whittingham. I am just like the biggest fan of Kyle Whittingham outside of the state of Utah, but I think that that is just a great team. They they lost to Florida on one of the flukiest plays of Cameron Rising's career. Like, he doesn't make that decision nine out of ten times. So I'm not worried about the one loss on Utah's record. They're still one of the best teams in the Pac-12. This was a game that before the season I was not picking ASU to win. But then you move on from Herm Edwards. And while this is going to be a better move for the long term, Right now, you're fired. You fired him three weeks into the year, right before conference play started off. 
this is not going to be a great way to, you know, kind of get your footing moving forward there. And you got three straight games against ranked opponents and sure two of them are at home, but one of them is against the reigning PAC 12 champs and the Utah Utes who are just such a great program from top to bottom, well-coached tons of talent. And they're, they're going to be just fine. I'm not worried about the Utes. I am entirely worried about the Sun Devils. When I go into this game, I've just convinced myself that I'm going to be enjoying watching Cameron Rising and Tavion Thomas and the rest of that defense and just soaking in great college football from a great program. Obviously, I'll still be rooting for Arizona State. Don't get me wrong, but I've kind of accepted the fact that this team is just not built to face Utah. They weren't prior and with new coaching changes, like you mentioned, like it's just it's a lot to adjust to on the fly. You have less than a week because they moved on from Herm officially. You know, they talked to him Saturday night as he was walking off. You saw uh, the president, Michael Crow, and athletic director Ray Anderson talking to Herm as he was walking off the field. They officially announced the move on Sunday. So that gives the team less than a week to really adjust on the fly. And you have to play the the best team in the Pac-12 until proven otherwise by USC or by Washington or whoever else it is. So tough, tough game and just even tougher uh, like uh, circumstances. That's what I'm looking for. Tougher circumstances heading into it as well. I, I thought the choice for interim head coach for ASU was rather interesting. You have two coordinators that have college and NFL experience, uh, but they went with the guy that came up from the high school ranks. What what was it about Iguano that they liked maybe over some of the other people they could have chosen? As much as I really appreciate Glenn Thomas, offensive coordinator, and Donnie Henderson, the defensive coordinator, they were brand new to the staff as far as like coordinators go. I mean, they have a little bit of experience with the team there, but uh, with Aquano, he's been with the program since 2019. He's been a very well-respected coach with the program. And overall, I mean, the, the kids gravitated to him and for what it's worth, the success that he's had coaching the running backs has been pretty tremendous when he's helped Eno Benjamin and Rashad white get to the NFL. And now they're having some, Decent success to start their careers. They're taking a little bit to get going, but I'm not worried about them at all. I think they're two very talented guys. And part of that is because Iguano was able to coach them up and get them ready for that next level. He's doing the same thing this year with Xavier X Valade. He's averaging almost seven yards a carry. He's had over a hundred yards and at least one touchdown in all three of his games in his power five debut. This is a transfer from Wyoming who looks completely comfortable with the next level already. And overall, I think just the biggest thing here is these kids are familiar with Iguano. He's been with the program longer, and they they feel a lot more comfortable with what he's putting out compared to what, you know, Coach Henderson or Coach Thomas might have been putting out. Not that either of them would have been bad options. I definitely was a little surprised they didn't go with one of those two. But when you look back at it in retrospect, it does make a lot of sense to go with Iguano over those two. Tell you what, I'm really hoping I have a chance to catch up with Donnie Henderson. Uh, we worked together with the Salt Lake Stallions back in 2019, which was actually the last time that I've been to Sun Devil Stadium as well. So would love to catch up with him, just talk to him for a minute. I know he's going to be busy. It's game day and, uh, you know, a lot to try and plan there. You kind of talked about what Iguano's done with the run game for the Sun Devils. 
that was an area that Florida exposed against Utah. They they were not as sound against the run as I think most people typically expect them to be. It's looked better over the last two weeks, but it's really kind of hard to say exactly how much Utah's improved in that regard just because of the opponent. Do you think that that is something that ASU can expose and, and maybe catch Utah off guard with? Well, if there's one thing that I'm confident with Arizona State, it's definitely the run game. They're averaging almost 200 yards a game on the ground. Again, X Valade has been just a complete transcendence at the position. Daniel Nagata has been outstanding as the number two back. He's averaging over six yards a pop. If they are going to take the reins off of Emory Jones, then, I mean, there's a potential for there too. Something that I brought up this week, not only on Locked on Sun Devils, but on Locked on Pac-12 and Locked on Utes. I've been all over the place <laughs> for this game. But, you know, one of the things I mentioned is like, if if Arizona State is trying to prepare for this game, then you need to be watching a lot of that Florida game film because they were able to figure something out. You know, Anthony Richardson, despite the fact he has not thrown a touchdown this year, still looked really, really solid, all things considered, both as a passer and especially as a runner against the Utes. And this needs to be something that Arizona State tries to exploit. They're a very okay passing team in like a best case scenario. But this rushing offense is definitely terrific. And it's been the bread and butter of Arizona State's offense all year. If they if they plan to go into this game and somehow pull off the upset, then yeah, they definitely need to rely on that run game to just be able to dominate the trenches and expose a very young uh, Utah front. I mean, there's there's a lot of sophomores in there who have played pretty well, all things considered. But you know, they're they're definitely hurting from Devin Lloyd no longer being with the program. So it'll. It'll be a testament to Arizona State's run game to prove against Utah, very well-coached and very talented defense, that your run game should be respected as one of the best in the Pac-12. Another thing that you had mentioned was that the defense had an uncharacteristically bad day against Eastern Michigan last week. Putting that game aside, what are some things that you think the defense could do for ASU that could disrupt Cam Rising and company? They have done a very good job stepping up, regardless of the fact of how many guys they lost. They lost their entire secondary to both the NFL draft and to eligibility running out. There were several guys who transferred from the program as well, like Jermaine Lole on the defensive line and Eric Gentry at linebacker. And really the only returning guys were the linebackers, Merlin Robertson and Kyle Soley, with a lot of other guys coming back as well, but I mean, very unproven. And they have stepped up to the occasion. These guys are you know, they, they feel well coached. They feel like veterans and it, it just feels like as strong an ASU defense have, as we've seen in the last few years. And I think the most impressive part to me is the way that they have played overall this year. You look at the Oklahoma state game and you see it's a 34 to 17 win and that's three possessions. And that feels like a blowout, but the box score is very deceptive in that game. Because Arizona State was forcing a lot of three and outs, and they were creating pressure on Spencer Sanders, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12. And they were doing a great job. Again, the three and outs, the big stops and everything like that. It's just, unfortunately, the offense could not do anything, which leaves the defense on the field to get tired and uh, dried out. And then Oklahoma State's able to capitalize on a defense that's just, again, it's exhausted. There's only so much they can do. So, in this game, I trust Arizona State's defense to do a good job 
better than they were against Eastern Michigan. Because again, I'm, I'm hoping that's an uncharacteristic game and that's not a sign of things to come, but that means the offense needs to step up. And if the offense is not able to do that, then this is going to be another rough day for the defense, regardless of the fact that they could play above their expectations, but it's definitely going to be a matter of, is the offense going to do anything with the opportunities that the defense is going to provide for them? One thing I'm really curious about, and I actually think a lot of people, you know, both inside and outside of the ASU program are curious about is what's going to happen to this program because of the supposed NCAA infractions that have happened. It feels like this thing's been dragging out for a long time. Is anything ultimately going to happen with that? And and what do you expect to happen to ASU, you know, long-term from it? At this point, we just have no idea. Like, like you said, this has dragged out. This has been a ridiculously long process for everything. And there's nothing but evidence against Arizona state to the point where it's like, I feel like we should be able to put this as a pretty open and shut case against Arizona state, but for whatever reason, it hasn't been ultimately, I'm not sure if this is going to end up being a slap on the wrist where, you know, you get a little bit of a fine and just kind of forget about it. Or if this is going to be a little more serious, because again, this is COVID violations. Like that was a very, very serious epidemic that we just went through and you were blatantly ignoring the protocols. And if that's the case, then you could potentially be stripped of bowl game eligibility. They could fine you. They could strip recruitment from you. But until we know otherwise what's going to go on, unfortunately, you just kind of have to keep going like it's normal business and just wait for the other shoe to drop. I don't know if that's going to affect the program a lot moving forward. I had talked to wide receiver Cam Johnson. He transferred over from Vanderbilt earlier in the year. And one of the things I brought up was like, does this concern you? And Cam told me, he was like, no, like I'm just, I transferred to this program because I think it's the best opportunity for me. We're not worried about it right now. We're just taking care of our business. And that's all that is really being concerned about for the players. So as far as I can tell, it's not really affecting the guys in the building, but is it going to affect the head coaching candidates that they're going after? Is it going to affect recruiting moving forward? They only have six kids in their 2023 class right now. I just don't know how much this is going to truly affect the program. Again, is it going to be a slap on the wrist? Or are you going to get absolutely slammed? We just, we're kind of, again, for like the 10th time, we're waiting for that other shoe to drop and figure out what's going to happen. What do you think it is about this matchup? It just feels like one of the more fiery games that happens within the Pac-12 every single season. I don't know if calling Utah and ASU rivals per se is appropriate, but there's definitely a something, something going on there. Why, why do you think it just gets so chippy out there whenever these guys play? I have no idea because it truly is. They play it like a rivalry game. And like, to one extent you, you respect it because you want these guys to come out fiery, but in another sense, it's like, there, there's not a lot of correlation for you guys to hate each other. Utah's been in the Pac-12 since I think it was like 2010 is when they came over and expanded the Pac-10 to the Pac-12. And Utah has been a good program. ASU has been an up and down program. But at no point in time have these guys really like had any moments in the history that would generate like a pure hatred for each other. But nonetheless, these guys come in every year prepared for each other. And it's normally a really fun game to see these two 
go at it. We've had some very good games over the last 10 years that have been super enjoyable going back to like the Taylor Kelly days at Arizona state and the Tyler Huntley days at Utah. There have been a lot of fun games, but these two definitely have a hatred or a respect for each other, depending on who you ask. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I personally really respect Utah. I have no ill will against them. I hate them one time a year and it's, it's that game that we play them. And even then, it's still like, all right, fair enough, Utah. I still, I still have a lot of respect for you guys. So that's kind of where I'm at with the program is it's like I, I respect them. I think Arizona State respects them, but they definitely, like you said, they go into it with a rival game mentality. And I don't, I don't know if that's something that you respect or you kind of despise about the programs, depending on you know, your stance, if you're Arizona State or if you're Utah. But I think it makes for really good football. Last year was a great game with ASU dominating the first half and then Utah dominating the second half, which is, you know, the half that matters. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I always look forward to this matchup and even with ASU being massive underdogs in this game, and they should be, I've been joking around that wherever you're getting your odds, no matter how much Utah gets increased yesterday, it went up by a point and a half. It went from 13 and a half to 15 by the end of the day, take Utah to cover. I feel pretty confident about that. Man, that's crazy. Okay, well, you know, this this is a very easy game for people from Salt Lake, Utah, Utah fans to travel to. Phoenix, Tempe is not that far away. Where should fans go check out when they come down for the weekend to check this game out? Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Mill Avenue is, like, known legitimately throughout the country. Uh, I, I've talked to several people, and when they mention Mill Avenue, I'm like, you know Mill Avenue. It's... It's, it's a lot of fun to go to. There's all sorts of really interesting sports bars. There's lots of memories out there, even with it being Arizona State territory, because Tempe really is a pretty solid college town. I mean, it's a very welcoming environment. People have a lot of fun down there. So definitely hit up Mill Avenue, Utah fans, and just enjoy yourselves. Like I said, there's good sports bars. Our game doesn't kick off till 7 or 7.30, something like that. So enjoy yourself, watch some good games, and have some good bar food and the TVs are great. There's little places called zips. I'm not sure if that's like throughout the country or if that's kind of regional based, but zips is a really good place to go to they have great food, uh, cold drinks and lots and lots and lots of TVs. So definitely hit up mill. You guys won't regret it. I agree. Mill street is fun. Uh, I had a great time shopping. I had a great time eating it's a great place to go hang out. I actually wore something that I picked up back in 2012. No kidding. <laughs> the other day, yes. Uh, it was a little leopard print shirt <laughs> that I picked up forever ago and I still have. Uh, super there you go. If you're, if you're the ladies and you like doing that, or if you're the guys and like doing that, I'm not here to judge. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, looking at this game, what do you think Arizona state has to do if they are to win this game? They just need to play sound defense there. Take, take the tape you had against Oklahoma state, implement that against this game because you really did play a great game despite what the box score shows. Like it just was one of those things where the defense was hung out to dry. There's only so much they can do, but if they can play the way they played against Oklahoma state, and your offense can finally expand with new coaching and like 
I truly believe that with Herm Edwards gone, the biggest thing you need to do is take the chains off of Emory Jones, let him use his legs. Like he's a solid passer. He becomes so much better when you allow him to improvise and let him do his thing. So defense needs to play borderline, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, 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 <laughs> they, they can't have mistakes. They, they yeah. just, they need to be disciplined. They need to understand that Utah is not a team to be toyed with. Again, my, my biggest fear in this game and someone I'm going to highlight on my podcast as the guy to neutralize is Tavion Thomas. And if you can't find a way to neutralize him and slow him down, this game's going to be over very, very quickly. And yeah, just defense needs to play very, very sound. They need to be smart and they need to understand that this is not a Utah team to take lightly. Cameron rising is a very, very good quarterback. And then if the defense is able to give you opportunities, like it doesn't need to be turnovers. It needs to be short drives. If you can hold the, the Utah offense to three and outs or just get them to stall out at midfield, that is just as good as interceptions or fumble recoveries. And then the offense just needs to do its thing. Hopefully with new coaching, they can finally do that. On the flip side, you know, from your perspective, looking at Utah, what, what do they need to do in order to win the game on Saturday? They just need to make sure that this is an ASU program that is suddenly very set on shocking the world. A lot of the kids this week are talking about how they're taking this game more seriously than they've taken any other game this year because they feel like they have a lot to prove. So Utah just can't look down on this team. I know that I'm very down on this team, and I, I know a lot of other Sun Devil fans are down on this team too, but this these guys are determined to prove that they're going to be better moving forward. So Utah's just got to play smart. They've got to execute as if this is another Florida or if this is USC or if this is Ohio State, like the Rose Bowl, they just need to understand that ASU is not going to go down without a fight. And as long as they take them seriously, I trust Utah to take care of business. But if they go to Tempe and they expect this to be an easy win, they could be in for a world of trouble. Okay, since this game tends to always play out a little like a rivalry, uh, what do you see as potentially being the most shocking thing that will happen on Saturday? That will happen. I think what will happen is Arizona state finds a way to keep this close for a good amount of the game. My final score prediction ends up being 35, 17 in favor of Utah, but I think ASU can find a way to make it seem a little bit closer than what the final score ends up being similar to the Oklahoma state game. I feel like there's a chance that if ASU finds a way to fire on all cylinders, that they could potentially not pull off the upset, but they could potentially just keep this game a lot more reasonable and get to a point where the Pac-12 looks at ASU and they're like, okay, you know what? These guys, they feel more determined. They, they aren't ready to roll over on their backs and lose the remainder of their game. So I think the one thing that will happen in this game ASU finds a way to dig deep in themselves with grit. And I'll say that uh, ASU's run game is still just going to be a little too difficult to stop. I don't know if X Valade is going to go over a hundred and a touchdown for a fourth consecutive game, 
But I do think ASU can easily topple the century mark and even flirt with 150. Well, Utah fans and and even ASU fans, I don't know. Maybe you guys are going to listen in too. Uh, Hard to say. You've heard it from Richie Bradshaw. Again, he covers the Arizona State Sun Devils for Locked On Sun Devils. Uh, And he came on with some great stuff. Richie, thank you so much for jumping on with me and just talking a little bit about the team that you cover. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure, Michelle. So, you know, it it is forks up right now, but I definitely, for the rest of the year, will be a pseudo Utes fan, 100%. Well, there you have it. Richie Bradshaw, again, you guys have been listening to the Crimson Corner. This has been our ASU Breakdown. Uh, We will have another rundown next week of what's going to happen with Oregon State. Until then, enjoy the game on Saturday. And as always, go Utes. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.